when I'm setting my goals in terms of like that fear of you know, if, if I know I'm cutting a corner or I'm not doing as well as I could a huge part of it is just I don't want to let myself down yeah yeah I I, I use it like like I've got I, I don't want to let I mean I'm not going to lie I don't let my family my family don't feel let down but you know you feel if you're not doing as well you feel like you let them down and that's kind of that would be another motivation for me would be you know doing my best for them and and I suppose the the big thing would be for me to just just to do everything I can to be the best golfer I can be like and in 20 years time or whenever it is when I'm retired I'm able to look back and go like that after you say after a tough session in the gym you can look back and go do you know what I gave it everything yeah maybe I didn't win as much as I wanted or I didn't do this, that, or the other, but I gave it everything I could, and that's all I can do. Hello, welcome to episode number 31 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. This week, myself and Rudds are joined by Shane Lowry. Shane, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks very much for having us into your, your lovely home. Um, everyone kind of talks about how you're generally a real sound lad, real down to earth, all that kind of stuff. I couldn't disagree more as you made us change our plans last minute. Yeah. Well, of of gym, yeah. well yeah. I, um, that's what happens when you have a baby, babysitting duty, <laughs> so I'm... This yeah, I'm stuck in the house today for a few hours. Yeah, good experience for me and Rhodes to see what real, yeah, the, real, yeah. the real world is like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're really putting us off now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast, so I won't talk about that. Uh, but look, Shane, it's unbelievably generous to give up your time just before Christmas. It's probably a hectic enough time for you, obviously, with kids, new family and everything. So we really do appreciate it. Um, basically, just what we're going to talk about first is... Um, this is a kind of time of reflection for most people this time of year they look back on what's happened over the last year and put their plans in place for next year I'd imagine that's a big part of, of what you're doing at the minute as well yeah it's funny um, like we obviously golf is a long year so I, I kind of you know my first tournament is the starts the 17th of January so I'm kind of I'm almost in a little bit trying to be in as much pre-season mode as I can as well because yeah you kind of reflect on the year that's gone by you know, my last tournament that I played was probably three or four weeks ago. Um, so you're trying to reflect on, on what you want to do or what you need to do. And I've had conversations with certain people, you know, coaches and stuff, and um, what I need to do in kind of the off-season, even though it's not that much of an off-season. Like, ideally, you know, ideally I'd like the, the four or five weeks in January um, to get to get ready for the new year, but that's just the way the schedule works. And, um, yeah, so right now I'm kind of trying to do a as much training as I can, a little bit of practice, um, not a whole lot. I try and kind of stay away from golf as much as I can over in over the month of December, um, just to get my head away from it and just really just kind of just yeah get away from the game because it's like I said it's such a long season that you can get mentally you can get very draining if you if you're doing a lot in December you kind of feel like the years just keep rolling into each other yeah. and before you know it you'll feel a little burnt out so do you get a chance then obviously following the instagram and stuff a lot of social outings in december from what yeah. i've seen so far for you but uh do you get a chance over christmas then to sort of even use golf as a tool for downtime with family and friends or playing more social golf right yeah that? like i mean i went down home yesterday to see my parents or whatever and we i didn't realize the weather was going to be so as nice would have liked to have went for a game with my dad i don't really play that got much golf with my dad anymore and that's um you know, something that uh, is probably the main reason I started playing and and loved golf. The, you know, the golf I used to play with my dad when I was younger was probably my fondest memories of playing and um, I'd like to do a little bit more of that. I'll, I'll be bringing my clubs down at Christmas. I'm not sure if I'll get out. I'm, going, we're doing a, I'm doing a charity golf day one of the days back home 
on the 29th so that's kind of I'll definitely be playing golf that day but um, hopefully get out once or twice more Class and uh, then is there any kind of particular highs or lows if when you're reflecting back on last year is there anything that really stands out at either end of the spectrum for you? Um, I suppose there's there's too many lows but um, yeah a few few highs few lows I kind of I'm, I'm very I'm very happy the way the, the back end of the season went um, you know golf's a funny game because you've been having a bad year and you, and you have one good week and you feel like you know you just forget about the rest of it so I, I average first six months of the year and then you know went through a caddy change and all that and came out back into america and, and started to perform well again and um started to play well you know almost won in valorama finished second there and had a half decent finish of the year i was i was pretty happy with how things went um considering how the first part of my year was going because i was pretty low on confidence in july um after the open and to kind of get back out of that and, and find a bit of confidence going forward was good. Do you think that then, like, the comfort, obviously, you talked about kind of caddy changes. Alan, your brother, who's a very good golfer in his own right, yeah. uh, both of you have won the Mullingar Scratch Cup, Cup yeah, yeah. Um, And, obviously, did he, did I read something about him winning before you won in Akron? He yeah, won. so I, I was actually, the, the year he won, he won 2015, and he won the Mullingar Scratch Cup on the Monday, and I won in Akron the following Sunday. So it was... Uh, I kind of overshadowed him, him a little bit there, but he was, yeah, I don't think, I think he's happy enough, but they're actually having a celebration night in the golf club on the Sunday night that I won in Akron for him, so, and that's, it was funny good, yeah. that they're all there watching the golf then, and I won there, so yeah. That's mad, at least he's happened similar with Rudds as well, obviously, like Rudds and Reese kind of like him just overshadowing you the whole time, really, Rudds, I suppose, <laughs> probably. That's it, I, I had a nickname back in Wales, uh, it was Son of for a while, so, it's like, okay. oh, that's Kieran, he's son of Mike Ruddock, and then now it's, uh, that's Kieran, he's brother of, so I've, I've graduated to brother of. Very good, very good. Uh, obviously, like, there's, like, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, like, um, throughout the year, obviously, finishing the year quite strong, um, I don't think just from, like, following your own, like, golf throughout the year, finishing up with, uh, competing with Paul in the, the World Cup of Golf, and that, that must have been kind of really good fun, a nice way to come. Yeah, it, it is, it's, it's one of those weeks, obviously, you want to get in there and do as well as you can, and both of us be similar type characters, we're quite determined and quite, you know, gritty, or when it comes to golf, and, um, you know, we didn't obviously get the performance or the, the finish that we good, wanted. We, good, good Sunday, though. We, we, well, we we did. On, we we met yeah. triple on the 15th. But yeah. other than that, like, we played we played pretty good. Um, I'm not saying we played well enough to win, but we played well enough to be there, thereabouts. A um, few breaks here or there is kind of what it comes down to at the end of the day. And, um, but to play a bit of team golf is great. Like, I'm obviously every other week you're kind of, you know, trips around the world on your own. You, can, you know, you have your caddy and coaches or whatever, but you're you're on your own on the golf course and it's just you and, and little white ball and to have someone else there is, is really nice and it's kind of refreshing, you know. Well, what's that going to be like then? Like, is there much changing with your schedule next year based on what's happened this year? Like, logistically, is there going to be different challenges for you? Yeah. Um, like, so this time last year we were getting ready to move to America for six months, which was a great experience and we loved it. Um, this year is a little bit, next year is a little bit different. I... We're I'm going starting off in the Middle East, so I'm kind of I'm away the second of January, and I'm going away for ten weeks. Um, you know, there's a couple of breaks in there, but I think it's uh, I think about seven tournaments in ten weeks, but I'm away for the whole thing, so that's where I start. And then yeah, my schedule is mainly geared towards Europe. I'm playing a few in America, and it's it's changed a lot from last year. I've got a few smaller events that ideally I wouldn't be playing in, but 
you know, it's what I need to do to get myself back up the world rankings and, you know, that's where I'm going to go and, and hopefully I can do that. And is that obviously big challenges then? Like you've talked kind of about like friends, family, that kind of stuff, how it is refreshing to have people around. And um, What other sort of challenges are there even just with your own schedule and practice when you're away for seven weeks? Like you're in tournament golf all that time. Is it, what's a typical week look like? Is it all built towards the four days or is there much downtime? And there's not much downtime at all. Like there's, it's literally um, practice, rest, play. And that that's kind of, you know, and eat. Um, you're kind of, you arrive at the tournament say on a Monday and, and we kind of generally are Mondays are travel day and then Tuesday you're kind of you, you get into the tour, you know you're playing your practice round so you're probably probably at the golf course about 10 hours on a Tuesday and then you know try and just you get to bed early every night and pro on Wednesday and then you're kind of gearing everything towards you know trying to feel as ready as you can for Thursday and um, so yeah it's it's not like it's it's a great life I'm very lucky to be doing it I know I am but it's not as glamorous as a lot of people make it out to be I think that's the same with everything though in regards to especially now with like social media and people look and you see the the highlight reel of someone's yeah. life the way I was talking about it with someone there recently was the idea of the tip of an iceberg because you're like you only ever see the tip of the iceberg you don't see what's underneath you don't yeah. see what's underneath yeah. um, and even like any professional sports person it's kind of the 10,000 hours it takes to get to that point yep. where um, and I always found it with rugby that the thing I really loved was you know going out and playing with your friends but then there was a whole lot of other things that you'd have to do to get to that point to be able to go and play with your friends yeah. um, I think it's probably quite quite indicative of any sport in the regards of yeah, it, the tip it, of the iceberg is the thing people see and maybe that they make a comment and say oh yeah you're so you're, what a great life you have yeah i know yeah and it, it's and i always say with golf especially like there's so many bad you know you ask me about the highs and lows there's so many lows in golf because you know unless you're winning every tiger week, woods yeah. you're not winning like even he doesn't you know win every even in his prime he didn't win every week so unless you're you know i i wouldn't do it i wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for the highs because the highs are so good yeah and you know you get so much I don't know what it is satisfaction from the highs that that's that's the main reason that you get up every morning and do it like would you say with that in terms of trying to find like in a grueling schedule like that and you would describe that week of how much work that goes into going and playing uh, in the tournament would you say that like having people around you that you can like have a bit of humor have a bit of fun is something that's important because i always found that in a rugby setting that especially the higher up the level you go the bit of banter between the lads or having the crack with someone could break up a day where you had two or three hard sessions yeah, yeah. and that was the thing that kind of for me anyway it gives everyone such a huge lift even yeah like we fun. you know we we're away and we i i'm never i'm never on my own for dinner yeah you know you go out go out for dinner every night you're always generally with the irish lads so you're kind of that's the kind of that's the our break away from it like or we're maybe we're we play practice rounds together and you know you're obviously practicing getting ready for the tournament but you might be you know, you're having a laugh. You're, you're like you're going yeah. around. You're playing a game or something, and you know we do practice together a lot, and and stuff like that kind of breaks up. If you're doing all that on your own, I can imagine it. It'd probably be a short career because mentally you'd probably, you wouldn't be able for it. So it is important to to have those kind of things where you can get away from the whole seriousness of competing. Like, 
do you think that that's kind of a, an advantage in a way then if there is a group of Irish lads that are together on tour I heard um, Peter Laurie used to talk about it a lot um, on the Off The Ball podcast he'd always be talking about uh, the Irish lads always getting together when kind of 10-15 years ago himself and Porig and all yeah. these lads at dinner together do you think that's in a bit of an advantage over some of the guys that you see lads out there that just literally are doing it on their own but they're, yeah, kind of they're, like, they're like robots nearly. there's not many guys though. there's a lot of guys that, that have to hang around in groups like you know in countries that's kind of in Europe that's the way it works in America they kind of have their they'll always have their bit of an entourage with them you know and i i generally would have someone with me like i you know whether it be wendy or whether it be my coach or you know my trainer or one of my friends or my manager someone will generally be there with me so like i'll, I'll there'll be very few weeks where i'll be on my own and then the weeks you do get on your own you're actually kind of like you know i'm on my own this week it's not too bad you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, you get a bit more rest and a bit kind of a bit more time to just to yourself and relax or whatever so um yeah going back to the Irish lads when I came out on tour first I you know I, I came out like straight away I didn't you know I didn't ha- didn't go through a challenge tour or anything and I was lucky that Gary Murphy Peter Laurie Demi McGrain those lads kind of almost took me under their wing like I was only just turned 22 I, I was a bit green to the whole thing and um, I didn't really know what it was about and they were they were very good to me and I, I'm forever grateful for them and any time like the likes of Say when Paul Dunn came out, I kind of try and yeah. I try and go out, not go out my way, but make sure that he's you know not on your own for dinner. Come yeah. out with us, play a practice round with us, and we'll you know we look after you. And he's now one of my good friends, and you know it'll be the same for any younger like Gavin Moynihan and another young lad that comes out and he plays a bit with us as well and and lads like that. So, but you can see that translate because when he won the British Masters, I was there. Yeah, that's a great video yeah, of you yeah. running around. Like I remember, yeah, I was I, more I, excited than him. I'd say you yeah. were definitely were. Yeah, <laughs> he was more interested in sticking his yeah, finger at the camera down yeah. the cup. But like that was like to see that's kind of because golf is an individual sport. Like we come from team based backgrounds. Um, do you know, it's, you kind of would. That's something that I would miss most about team based sports. It's just that camaraderie yeah. between a group of lads, and like it's always better when you can share the wins with yeah. friends and stuff. So it's great to see that you can do that with each other. Yeah, like there's I I actually give people stick for standing at the back of the greens, man. There's there's a lot of guys stand there just to get themselves on and TV. Camera, yeah. uh, but well, you got you got on telly anyway. I there's probably three three or four lads that I'd be there at the back of the eighteen for, and I'd say they'd be there for me. So. You know, like when I won in America a few years ago, um, G Mac waited there for me, yeah, uh, up at the scores and stuff like that. It's nice to it's nice to see a familiar face and it's nice to be able to like share it with someone. And do you, you were talking about sort of like motivation then, like do you, are you a guy who gets more more motivated by the lows or more motivated by the highs? What what kind of when you're sitting down and planning your year going through that seven weeks, what what do you use as your main motivation? Um that's a good question actually. I've never I've never thought about it like that. I suppose if I think about it, um, I definitely get motivated by a fear of failure. I suppose, as well as the highs. Um, but yeah, I mean, not wanting to, not wanting to fail. I suppose is kind of. I don't like using the word fail or whatever. Yeah. But not wanting to be like that would is will be one of the my main reasons for, you know, trying to work as hard as I can at it. It's something that we'd see in the gym a lot roads as well as with people who say they set themselves a goal, they mightn't they mightn't achieve it. Um and you know, some people can when they when they do fail in, in their eyes it's perceived as a failure for whatever reason, like that can really knock them back. But yeah. you see a lot of times the difference with people is they use that fear as fuel to motivate them. Um and we've seen that make a huge difference, especially recently in the gym with a lot of people to work with. 
I think as well, like like you said, it's just checking ourselves in terms of that word of a harsh, like fail. It's yeah. not so much. If we could put a description on it, would be not fulfilling your potential. So like, yeah. If so, say for instance, if you're talking about um, in the gym, so say me and you, uh, me and Rory are doing a fitness challenge. And if I honestly feel at the end of it, I'd given my best possible account and I left it all out in terms of a fitness challenge and Roy beat me, I could probably be happy with that. But when I walk away and I know I just cut myself short, I know I had 10% left in the bank. And even if I beat you in that challenge, I'd never feel half that amount of satisfaction that I'd get from knowing I left it all out there. So like, I definitely would feel that when um, when I'm setting my goals in terms of like that fear of or if I know I'm cutting a corner or I'm not doing as well as I could a huge part of it is just I don't want to let myself down yeah yeah I I, I use it like like I've got I, I don't want to let I mean I'm not going to I don't let my family do my family don't feel let down but you know you feel if you're not doing as well you feel like you let them down and that's kind of that would be another motivation for me would be you know doing my best for them and and I suppose the the big thing would be for me to just just to do everything I can to be the best golfer I can be. Like, and in twenty years' time, or whenever it is when I'm retired, I'm able to look back and go like that. After you say after a tough session of gym, you can look back and go, do you know what? I gave it everything. Yeah, maybe I didn't win as much as I wanted, or I didn't do this, that, or the other. But I gave it everything I could, and that's all I can do. And I like we found that in terms of setting goals for people in the gym, and using myself as an example as well. And that when we're setting goals, trying to break everything down to process goals, so you have your outcome, but then try and strip it back to what are the things you can do daily, weekly, monthly. I've literally just been doing that yeah. in these books here. Like I've never been a one for planning or setting out goals, but I've there's literally not, that hasn't been opened. There's not one page. No, no, no. no there's there's some there, but I've literally just the last few day, a few couple of weeks, I've been just kind of jotting stuff down and and there's a lot of talk of, of winning and and you know like that the the top end of the goals like yeah. where where i want to let's say for me i want to play the next Ryder cup but like you know trying not to focus on that trying to focus on what am i going to do today that's going to get get me to that goal yeah you know and that, that, i think that's what you're saying is it? that's exactly yeah. what i'm saying and i think that's more important obviously you have the the big goal is the thing that draws you towards it and gets you excited mm. to start the process but then the process goals is breaking it down to what you're going to do on a daily weekly monthly yeah. and then you have the, those goals reese when he was on the podcast he spoke about that that was a huge learning for him in his career when he stopped setting those goals and just having i want to be picked in this team and nothing after that then he started setting goals where he'd go, I want to be picked in this team, but I want to work back and I'm going to go, I'm going to make sure I do my gym sessions. I'm going to make sure I'm getting seven, eight hours sleep a night. I'm going to make sure that I know my lineup calls. And you start breaking yeah. it down to things you can do today. And the huge benefit of that is, like you talked about, it puts it more in your control. So you, you yeah. can control those things, but no, you might not be able to control because the Because like you look at your, like a long-term goal, especially like for me, that Ryder Cup's like a year and a half away. And it's kind of, it's almost just like a dream, like, yeah. I mean, I can sit back here on the couch or whatever and say, you know, yeah, I want to make the next Ryder Cup team, but like, what am I going to do to to do that? Like, it's kind of... And as well, in terms of like motivation, I talk about the idea of like, there's always a honeymoon period when you set a goal. So like, whenever you set a goal, there's like this two, three weeks... We're coming close to January, so I'll see it. Oh, there'll be plenty of that, yeah. (laughs) But that's a perfect example. There's a two, three week period where you set a goal and you get really excited by it. 
But in reality, if we go back to the tip of the iceberg, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And then there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done before you yeah. even get to that goal. So when you break it down to those smaller goals, you're going to have the motivation to be able to... Whenever we hit a small goal, we get a hit of dopamine, we get a boost in our motivation. So that's the thing that keeps us going past that honeymoon period. But also in terms of focus, sometimes when we set a goal that's really far away, like a college project it's so easy to push out the things you need to do until there's a deadline whereas if you break it down into smaller things daily weekly then the deadline's much closer so it helps to keep you more focused yeah, yeah. yeah no, exactly. i've i've literally just been talking to a guy about all that stuff over the last few weeks because i've never been one for i've never set you know goals as I've never like said i want to win this i want to do this i'm kind of like you know i just i really just want to be as good as I can you know and but for me now I feel like I need to start kind of like that setting a few goals and targets throughout the year that I kind of need to work back from and and then like when you have a bad day you just revert back to the process and just kind of keep going from there and that's kind of that's <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about this now because I'm literally just kind of planning all that out now it's, it's so timely because we did it when like the gym's like five years old this year yeah. so we sat down and said right what are we going to do in the next five years and we sort of said what we want to do but like there's just so many intangibles between now and then that we don't know, know even personal things it's so many things can change that we just did exactly that we said what are we going to do every day every week every month to get us to where we ultimately want to go and then when things do pop up like i just was writing now when you were talking like Picking an outcome in golf, of all things, is is such a difficult thing to do because, like, if you look at, say, Bob Watson when you were in 2015, he was rolling in 30-footers, you know, yeah, yeah. like, whatsoever. But, like, you weren't going to be beaten on that day. Yeah. Or something. He could have said that was his goal to win it, but you could come up against a guy like Exactly. I fire. say that about, you know, one of my goals this year, like, I look back, it was to win. Yeah. Right, I played good enough to win in Valorama. Sergio just played better than me. Yeah. You know. Get one guy in the field who holds a couple of puts on the back nine, and all of a sudden you finish second, and you're kind of sitting here, you know, at the end of the year thinking, Well, I didn't hit my goals, but all of a sudden he misses a couple of those puts, and I'm sitting here going, Oh, it's been a great year. So it's kind of, it's very, you know, a bit fluffy, you know, a bit all up in the air. It's kind of, it's not really, it's not really the right thing to do. But is that, it? that's where the process, like Rod says, if if say you had a one and you hadn't ticked all your boxes leading up to that, yeah, exactly, you, can e- yeah. you can easily be confused. Oh, I'm actually a great golfer. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm unbelievable. Yeah. Things are happening. But like if you lose and you look back and go, I've actually done everything I said I would this year. I performed well enough to win. Yeah. That's much easier to plan going forward yeah. then. And that's the same for people in training, in business, whatever it is. I think it's focusing on the processes more than the outcome. People don't like to do it. Like have an outcome, something that drives you. But definitely focus on it's the just the start of it getting started and getting the plan in place and then you know being able to tick off the boxes every day is kind of is the big thing for me anyway in terms of that plan so like something i'd be interested in in terms of if you were to break down your physical training like how would that look in terms of a week when you're setting goals so it's, it's i mean there's not i've been training you know quite hard since i came home quite hard for me probably not for the, you the, guys the, the spinning bike is still steaming away in the corner <laughs> over there. you were up on that before we got here um, I haven't really set goals in that regards yet like I'm kind of still I mean I, I, I'm due to meet my trainer the guy I work with uh, Friday and talk about it and I you know it's something yeah. that I've kind of met I'm trying to meet my team of people and trying to 
I'm almost trying to push them to push me, do you know what I mean? And that's kind of the way I'm I'm looking at it now. So, but like a normal week, say, I mean, on on an off season, like I'm trying to put in, I'm only trying to put in, I'm trying to put in like five days a week. If I do any more, I'll be very happy. But like, I think five days a week is doable and it's what I should be doing and probably I could be doing more, but... Um, is that split up between golf and like exercise? No, I, I'm, ta- I'm talking completely exercise here, okay. and and then golf. I'm just you know I'm I've got my green there. I try and do a little bit of putting on it. I I have gone to the range a few times. Go down to my my mate down in Bray, um, who's got like a trackman simulator in his shop, and I go in there. Like I've gone in there once or twice, but it's kind of like I said earlier. I'm, I'm trying to just stay away from the golf a little bit. Like yep. I've got. I go to Dubai on the second of January, and I've got two weeks before the first event, and and that's probably sufficient enough for me. Like a mini preseason, yeah, yeah. Golf wise, to to work on my golf, you yeah. know. So, yeah, everyone needs that downtime, though. I, I think you do, and I mean, I I've always been one, and and it's funny we were we were somewhere myself. We we're in South Africa, myself and Harrington and Paul Dunn, and we were talking about it. And Paul Dunn was supposed to play in Leopard Creek, which was last week. You know, which would have meant that his his um, off season would have been only like three and a half weeks, um, and Harrington basically was like, <laughs> and he was afterwards he pulled out of the tournament, you know, because Harrington's a firm believer, and I'd be, I'd be I'd listen to him an awful lot. Firm believer that six to eight weeks is kind of is the downtime you should have, and and that should be your downtime slash preseason for next year. And that that's the same with everything. Like even just a funny example we were given in the car was um, I'm heading to New York for Christmas, uh, myself and Sarah, and Dara was dressed in one or two eating challenges to do, uh, and he was giving me the lowdown on it, and I said to him, I'd probably go there first and try and do it as soon as I got over there, because, say for instance, if you're eating all that rich food, it tastes really good, but after a certain while, if you eat that four or five days in a row, you actually don't want it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I said I try yeah. and make use of that when I went yeah, there first. <laughs> yeah. You got that bit yeah. of a taste for it. But even we were chatting about um, I was telling the lads the example of you know uh, Cadbury's with their workers, they let them eat as much chocolate as they want because when you eat as much as you want even something you love like that you're going to go off it so the okay. same with like yeah. golf and rugby or anything yeah. anything yeah. in life if you just do it 100% of the time all the time you'll no get fed up you look, it, yeah. you'll get fed up yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is there's always going to be too much of a good thing so sometimes holding yourself back and giving yourself like three six eight weeks off in golf yeah. that's going to be the thing that's going to make you a better athlete when you come back same with rugby you have to take like three, four, four weeks off at least from rugby, even if you're loving your last I, game. I think mentally as well. Back. I think mentally is the big thing. Exactly. You know, yeah. just for your own mental kind of, you know, attitude towards the whole thing as well. Because if I, I know for a fact, if I came home from this season, let's say I come home a few weeks ago, if I went straight into it, like going four or five days a week hitting balls, playing golf, yeah. you know, I'd be getting to now and I'd be going. <sighs> I don't really don't feel like doing this anymore, you know. And then all of a sudden, I'm going into a season where I've got like 29 events. Yeah. You know, I'm probably playing in, you know, I don't know many different continents, and you know, traveling all around the world. And and you need to be fresh, and you need you need to be fresh, you know, towards the end of it. And you you just like got a young family as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So that's that. That's. I think life well. has perspective yeah. as well, and and that's the one thing you get when you have it when you have a kid. Like, is just. Um, you know, you put put a lot of things into perspective, and it's it's definitely it's motivated me more. I think, I mean, I haven't had 
my my years or my results have not been as good since Irish come along. But it's it definitely motivated me more, and it's but it's also made me see the the perspectives of the whole thing. Like and and you know, a bad day's golf is kind of you know a bad day at work for me. I can still come home to her in the evening. Fantastic. You're talking then about sort of like the planning for next year, the processes. Is there that you've identified that you see there's a big area that you can improve in, whether it's physical, mental, anything like that, or oh. golf wise? I, I, I think like I've never planned out my year ever. Like I've never sat down and went through it and, and worked back. I've never done that. So I think even that alone, yeah. I think, will help me an awful lot and been able to take the days off. And you know, like I've got 30, uh, 31 days to my first event now. So you know, you think, oh, we're in Christmas, it's great, it's Christmas. All of a sudden, you know, this you're time tw- next you're 20 week, days out yeah, and you're like, whoa. You're yeah. like, Jesus, I haven't got long. So it's kind of, you know, even just little things like that has made me realise, um, you know, why I need to start planning my year out and planning my, you know, I, I, I don't think, I'm not in a space in my career or in the rankings where i planning towards the big events, I'm just planning towards every event because okay. every event is big for me. That's probably refreshing in a way though as well because you can just go give your best effort every week yeah. and it's not like you're building up to a major and it doesn't go well and you're like, Jesus, there's only four of these to have a go at or whatever. I'm under yeah. pressure to get into the next one. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. can just... Like you look at, I mean, you talk about Rory McIlroy, like his... Guarantee, his tough. whole... His whole... Augusta. Since, since the US PGA, his whole thing will be the Masters. Yeah. And you know, so he's got like eight months or seven months to think about the Masters and if he doesn't win the Masters he's got another 12 months yeah because all like he you know obviously he wants to win other majors but he wants to win the Masters more so than anything else and and that can be very tough like you know you've only got four events I, I don't believe as a golfer you can peak for four events a year I, I just don't believe it I know Tiger cause somewhat did it but Tiger like Tiger had a win ratio of like 20 something percent which yeah. is like you know ridiculous and I think as a golfer I don't think you can peak I think you can get yourself you know you can practice hard and coming up to it but there's times you go out and you know you're after working your nuts off for you know months and you go out and you just feel like you can't do it like you just feel like it's not happening and that's just the way it is and there's nothing you can do about it and you just have to get on with it and how do you deal with that pressure and like scrutiny like just take Rory's example uh like the Sky Sports ads that'll be coming out in January or yeah, literally yeah. picture it's all of him yeah. have you seen those ads it's like just him for a minute with a little bit of golf thrown in and like he has to look at that or people in the media see that and it's all about him every year like how do you find dealing with that kind of scrutiny especially like in Ireland everyone wants the Irish lads to do well and you know like yeah and in Ar- Ireland's funny because we get supported unbelievably well golfers like you know media wise um, there's always Irish media there we get great coverage in the papers stuff like that and, and we get very well supported but the one thing they always talk about is when you're going to win a major when you're going to win a major even me like you know I, it's funny that we talked about Paul Dunn winning the British Masters um, I was we were driving up to the Dunhill Links in St Andrews uh, that, that evening after he won and I just turned around to him and I said I bet you're looking forward to now being asked when you're going to win your major Yeah, because like that's all I get like it's kind of like you know Obviously, they're, they're starting to ask when are you going to win again, and but they're all, it's always like, are you good enough to win a major? Will you win a major? It's kind of like, of you know, of obviously course, I yeah. want to win one, and obviously I'm going to do my best to win one. But four tournaments a year for probably got fifteen more years, so it's kind of sixty events in fifteen years. It's kind of, 
you know, if I'm lucky enough to win one, I'd be unbelievably happy. If I'm lucky enough to win two, obviously it'd be un- unreal. But I like just just all getting back to doing what I can do to be the best I can be. Like, oh, like and you've been close. You know what I mean? And yeah, I've been very close a couple of times. Like I was very close once. Like I should have won that one. And yes, in and it's funny. Like I I personally feel like I threw that one away and handed it to Dustin Johnson. And he hasn't won one since. And people go on like he's the best golfer of all time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's kind of, it, it's funny. It's a funny game. I was in Canada. I was over at a wedding in Vancouver when that was on. No and, way, uh, yeah. It was like the day two of the wedding. We were all supposed to go sing. We were like all the phones out watching. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it was incredible. But um, that's the thing like for you. Like, you know, you've won WGC. Like, they're the best fields. Mm. Uh, you've come second, you know, close PGA. You've had a lot of good runs. You seem to kind of peak at the right times traditionally. So I think the way you're looking at taking these tournaments that comes is probably a good strategy for you in terms of not putting all that pressure on yourself at the minute. Yeah, exactly, because, like, you go out, you know, if you fo- start get back to focusing on, like, the process of it all, like, I go out, say, previously I've gone out and your first tournament of the year, you're like, right, I want to get off to a good start. Next thing you go out, you're like, three over, through nine, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to go like this. So it's kind of like, you know... At least I can just keep going mentally. For me, I know, I know it's going to be it's very going to be very good for me doing all that and just trying to reach some small goals every week and every day and and see, take it from there. We'll sit down next year and see how it went for you. Right? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Then obviously, kind of on the training side of things, you see like it's like whatever. Fifteen years ago, Tiger kind of changed the way everything yeah. was being on the cover, like golf fitness or men's health and all that kind of stuff do you see the, like the guys have just put them in the, the bracket because they're always in like DJ and Brooks lads who are seem to be training flat out like lifting numbers that NFL lads are lifting do you think that that's the way golf's going or do you think that creates sort of a false perception of what golf fitness actually is like what's important for golf Um, it's a good question because I, I do think like Brooks is huge like Brooks is I mean Dustin's a bit more of a different athlete than, than Brooks is like Brooks is you seen Brooks and he's got big like as well. He yeah. he had a few months off and I think he put on some weight and then he came back and he cut the fat and, and got huge like and um I think that's just the way he is. I mean I don't think the likes of uh you know there's we're all different shapes and sizes and I think there's definitely a lot of golf specific exercises that lads that everybody does. Like you look at I mean the majority of golfers have trainers now yeah. and everybody's doing the same thing like you know everybody's doing the same exercises you know all about you know conditional mobility and um, functional movement like all that kind of stuff and um you know but obviously there's other guys then tigers lifting heavy you know rory has went through a phase of lifting heavy i know i'm not sure he's doing much training now he's doing a little bit johnny miller was giving him awful stick on yeah they right? give the the commentators give lads awful stick but then if you do, if you do look at it, like there is there's a lot of golfers getting a lot more injuries than they used to but i think it's because they're swinging the club faster than they used to yeah. you know years ago like 20 years ago a lot or 20 tigers um, 30 years ago a long hair probably would have been swinging it at that you know 105, 110 mile an hour, whereas now, like, the long hitters are 100, mid-120s, 130, like, they're, so it's a lot of stress on your body, you know. Well, it was interesting, we were over, myself and Carl, one of the other trainers of the gym, we did the TPI course over in oh, Birmingham, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and it was good, we were just chatting to the lads who were taking the course, and they were talking about exactly that, Brooks and DJ and stuff, and uh, we used the example roads before of Joe DeFranco, he's a strength and conditioning coach, works with a lot of American football players, like, he'd have maybe 20 other athletes that are kind of like the Brooks and the DJ are kind of the, the show ponies yeah, that are yeah. up there and like Brooks is obviously a freak athlete anyway that happens to be very good at swinging a golf club um, but like they talk about like 
training say the morning of the US Open like you're talking about benching yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 150 kilos yeah. for 20 reps or something in the morning of the US Open but like for him that could be a psych- psychology thing that look good feel good feel good play I good. think Rory went through a lot of that at the start of when he started training an awful lot he was you know you look back at pictures I never thought Rory was like chubby but he was you know you look back at pictures of him like compared to now and I think a lot of that is kind of you look good and you feel good and yeah. and you you know, I think a lot, a lot of lads go through that as well. Yeah. As well, though, when, whenever you, as an athlete, whenever you start and you go from, like you said, you go from no strength training to, to start doing strength training, you're going to get stronger. I was chatting to an athlete about this the, uh, the other night. We had a coffee and we just sat down and they were asking me what they needed to do to get faster. And they're not doing much strength training. I was like, the easiest way you're going to get faster is if we make you stronger you're going to be stronger for your body weight and then you're going to get faster and then on top of that then a year down the line let's just focus on strength for a year and get you strong because you're doing nothing at the moment if we get you strong you will be way faster and then we can talk about power we can talk about uh, your running technique and that will improve and that will get you the next level so sometimes as an athlete when you go from doing no training to doing your first year or two of strength training you see phenomenal benefits in that but you maybe get to a point where maybe you're strong enough and you don't have to do as much anymore yeah. um chasing that extra you know that extra 10 kilos on your squat or your bench might not be the thing that will get you to win and maybe it's a case of you get to the point where you're strong you move well now spend more time on your sport or spend yeah. more time in your recovery and that changes for athletes through their career you know yeah. Uh, at different phases some guys when they start doing it when they're younger it's a huge emphasis Yeah, I see it with rugby players all the time there'll be guys who at the start they get huge benefits out of it but then when they start playing week in week out uh, full time top level rugby they do less training then because now they've got the demands of these intense matches they've got the demands of the wear and tear in the body there's so many things yeah. so like it can change for an athlete like you said for Rory it can change kind of year on year based yeah, on like I know I, I was I played a practice round with him there last year and I was asking about it and he hadn't done anything for like three months so he just kind of got fed up of the hour every day hour and a half every day out of his life out of his you know golf or whatever he said I kind of felt if I wanted to get better I was better off going hitting putts for an hour yeah, or yeah. doing something like that so I kind of yeah that, that comes with time, using your though. time wisely like, it comes yeah. with experience as well like listening yeah, exactly, to yeah. understanding your game yeah. understanding your body it yeah. definitely comes with it um, speaking of kind of we, a lot of questions came in on social media and stuff when we told people that you were coming in um, one of the big things loads of people are asking about like tips and all that it's impossible to give tips over a impossible podcast impossible yeah, impossible just yeah. to clarify that's right yeah. but like you probably um, <laughs> you probably go to like a lot of like you play a lot of pro-ams and stuff you see a lot of amateur yeah. golfers I've a good one actually you play you're in the castle there was a pro-am one down there last year there was a fella who's a client in the gym he'll remain unnamed but um, uh, he was uh, trying to ply a full of red wine all night up in the castle one night and uh, he started sending in pictures into the whatsapp uh, uh, Shane says uh, I, could, I could be a scratch golfer uh, yeah, you know uh-huh. he said he, could, he told me everything's wrong in my game but like I'd imagine that's the big thing is people do ask you for quick tips when you're you're playing with them um, so like kind of what we'll try to break it down to is like what do you think the big difference are between say categories of golfers so somebody who's like an 18 handicapper what's the difference between them him or her and like a single figure golfer like if there was one thing that you see typically that's so hard because you know I, I do a lot of uh, corporate days pro-am stuff and if I'm doing like a clinic say to like 40 corporate you know businessmen or whatever yeah, I'm like you know they're asking for tips a guy will stand there and go I hit a slice how am I going to cure it I'm like well I can't tell you you know but you just standing there I need to see what you're actually doing so to give 
tips but the one thing I, I would say with people playing golf you know social golf like you know golf's a great game to go out and play with your friends it's a good social game I think anyway and uh, you know you get a bit of fresh air you're out walking around or whatever and a lot of people go out and take it too serious like a lot a lot of people do but, but then and people take it too serious that don't practice it yeah. you know like I if I if I sat here right and didn't play golf for, for a year I'd probably be useless when I came back but like I play every day like and that's why I'm good like and guys like 18 handicappers will go out and they'll play today and then they'll go uh they'll go then in march and they'll go oh they said to your man oh yeah i haven't played since you know december and then they'll come out and they'll be pissed off or they'll be they'll you know maybe start throwing clubs or get you know just get annoyed at themselves i'm like i mean you don't need to be good at golf just go out and enjoy it and yeah. i think that's one thing i would say i mean i the difference I, I, I'm, picturing, uh, I'm picturing we've we've actually got a society out and tomorrow we do like we've got a green so golf society same, in the yeah. gym but like we've got I'm picturing I'm picturing my brother basically yeah. right? he, he plays golf like real fit lad real athletic I'm gonna go for you here big C while I have the chance you know real fit real athletic but like plays maybe four or five times a year and comes out and like he's broken clubs every time gets so annoyed yeah. and I'm kind of just saying to him like you don't play like you can't be annoyed yeah. if you don't practice yeah. it's like someone <laughs> goes in and tries to take a maths test that hasn't opened a yeah, maths exactly, book in 10 yeah. years and they're ripping yeah. up the pages yeah. like but that's something that you see with so many golfers yeah. I'm glad you said that yeah yeah so like I mean I don't know that's not the difference between an 18 and I'm not saying time what, what's the difference then between say like a really good like plus one plus two plus three like a really really good amateur to somebody who actually makes it on tour is there a difference there it's hard to tell to be honest like let's say the top amateurs that turn pro and don't make it you're like why didn't they make it i mean the thing with professional golf is there's a lot more professional golf than just playing golf and i think that doesn't suit a lot of people and then you know i think people just have in any sport i think people just have the x factor like they just i mean i call i say it like i i think you have to have it now I don't know what it is like. If I did, like I'd be, I'd make a lot of money because I'd be able to bottle it and sell it. But like, you kind of like, you just have to have something about you, and you have to have the grit and determination to go out there on your own and just do it. Like, yeah. And that's that's what I think. I think uh, uh, some lads get like you know pushed along too much as an amateur, and they're you know they don't have to do anything for themselves, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into the big bad world, and you've got to do everything for yourself, and they're like wait I'm not really used to this I don't know what I'm going to do and they just kind of get lost because at the end of the day like in golf there's probably there's two main tours the European tour and the PGA tour there's probably 200 guys in each tour that have their cards there's probably you know 400 guys in the whole world that, that are actually making a good living out of golf you know when you think about it like because the other tours you, you struggle to make a good living so it's kind of you know it's not as easy as yeah I'm a good golfer I'm a um, playoff plus two in the castle or something I can yeah. I'm going to turn pro yeah it is yeah. not easy and you see it I think it's the long walk is that the documentary on Satanta that um, yes you know, yeah, like yeah. That. that was really eye-opening yeah. for me like I like I'm only playing golf kind of maybe like five or six years since we actually opened the gym like playing golf seriously and really enjoying it but like you'd always think geez it'd be class to be a pro golfer but like you see exactly that when you think there's 400 lads who are having a really good life out yeah. um, it, it's, it can be bleak enough when you see some of the guys on the smaller tours have ah, like yeah. I'm like touch wood I've I've never I've been to tour school once but that was an, as an amateur but I've never been you know I've never played challenge tour or had to do any of that so 
uh, I count myself very lucky. It's I was I was willing to you know I, I met my agent when I turned pro before I turned pro and I was like, you know I'm willing to do a few years challenge tour see how I get on. If it's not working out, I'll pack it in. If it if it works out, I'll you know I'll give it a good go. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And we keep touching wood for you as well. <laughs> uh, right, we can on to, we can answer the good questions that kick him in, sort of. Um, just to try answer these quickly. Uh, good few awfully team questions uh, from a few lads. Um, first one. I'd rather uh, not talk about that. To be honest. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll ask you the first one. So, Ireland to win the Rugby World Cup in 2019 or Offaly for Liam in 2019. Oh, I must for Offaly to win. The oh, Liam, like, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Right. But like, obviously, like. <laughs> I, I, I think Ireland have a much better chance of winning the World Cup now. <laughs> uh, uh, your favourite football team? Uh, Man United, unfortunately. Interesting times. Yeah. Uh, the best point of Guinness in Ireland? Don't I don't really drink Guinness anymore. I've seen uh, a Smittix glass there. Well, best point uh, of Smittix, so. Um, to clarify, there's no Smittix in this. Where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I like. I like the the old Dublin pubs like Kyo's and, and McDade's and those are like going in around there. Okay, very good. Uh, dream four ball. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to play with Tiger, uh, Jack Nicholas, and Arnold Palmer because I'd love to. I'd love to see who was who was the best really. Compared, have you, you still haven't played with Tiger? Never played with Tiger. No. Okay. Um, favorite course in the world. Augusta. Augusta. Uh, favorite course in Ireland. Uh, Adair Manor. Okay. The, the new Adair Manor is unbelievable. It's, like, it is unbelievable. Yeah. Unreal, yeah. Um best moment of your career so far? Um I think I, I still think when the Irish Open as an amateur. You're getting a lot of home votes for that. Uh, yeah. what about the hole in one sixteenth of Augusta? Yeah, that was yeah, that was up there, yeah. 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 As a not winning moment, I suppose. Yeah. Um this is a very interesting one. Who pa- who passed the ball to Seamus Derby for his famous goal in nineteen eighty two? Liam Connor. Oh, unbelievable! Uh, Did you Google? Is that the right well, answer? That is the right yeah, answer. Yeah. Um, if you had to build this last one, if you had to build the ultimate golfer from everyone that's on tour at the minute, so like take say okay, dri- yeah, driving, yeah. um, short like fairways hit, short game, whatever it might be. Say from the tee, who would you pick? Like what aspect all the way through? Um, you can't pick the same golfer. Yeah, for each, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'd pick. Uh, I'd pick Dustin Johnson off the tee. Okay. I'd pick Rory. No. No, sorry. This is hard. Sorry, Rory. I, no, I'd pick either Rory or Tiger's iron play. Probably Tiger's iron play. Okay. Um, I S- scrambling then. Um, Harrington's chipping. Okay. And who's the best porter in the world? Um, someone like. God, I don't even know who's the best port in the world statistically. Like, uh, it's actually hard to tell. Probably speed when he gets a goal. Speed when he gets a goal because he's got balls as well. So yeah. I, I'd like to have speed maybe putting when he gets a goal. Yeah, back yeah. nine of a Sunday and yeah, yeah. usually, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Listen, Shane, thanks a million. There's some, I'd say, incredible things in there for a lot of people. Uh, what's kind of immediate review? So just enjoy Christmas and after. Yeah, I've got obviously, um, you know, we're, what are we, mid December now. So yeah, I've got three or four I've got four weeks of my next event so I'm kind of trying to enjoy my time here but now I take, take it a little bit serious as well so I'm you know just just taking it easy trying to relax as much as I can it's it's important for me to relax when I come home and, and enjoy Dublin and enjoy you know the surrounding areas yeah good man listen we'll leave it at that thanks for being Shane happy Christmas cheers lads thank you